0: hey welcome to the winter growth challenge podcast my name is nick anderson and i will be doing a podcast series on the gospel of john along with me will be various college students and young adults who have served the lord faithfully at the western kentucky university baptist campus ministry also known as the WKUBCM. before we get into today's podcast i would like to read the reflection of the winter growth challenge This reflection is written by Carter Story, one of the two freshman coordinators of the WKUBCM. These reflections to give credit where credit is due. A summary of this of the version and uh, space for notes can be found at WKUBCM.com. This is what he has to say concerning John chapter eight. I want to start out by saying wow. This chapter is filled to the brim with such goodness and truth about our Savior. I chose this chapter because I believe it is powerful. I only have a paragraph to talk, so I strongly encourage you to find other resources to guide your meditation and digestion of the Word. Otherwise, I might give a five-page analysis, and I assume no one wants that. So take a moment and pray that God will reveal the power of His Word to you during this time. Now read chapter 8 of John. When reading this chapter, the concept of identity popped out at me. See, in, the, in this chapter, it seems as if Jesus is on trial. The Pharisees are not holding anything back in their interrogation of Jesus, as they try to catch him in a lie. All of their interrogation is centered around one main question, which they ask in verse 25, who are you? Now, Jesus answers this question in a powerful way, but before he does, he puts the Pharisees on trial. They must determine what they find their identity in. First, they claim to be sons of Abraham, and they claim to be sons of God. However, in verse 44, Jesus gives the Pharisees the conclusion that their father is the devil. Whoa there, Jesus! That seems a little bit harsh, and yet it is true. In Matthew 12:30, Jesus proclaims anyone who is not with me is against me and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. So it is clear that we are either a slave to sin with the devil as our master or set free and adopted by the unfathomable love and grace of God with him as our king. The scary part of this chapter is that the Pharisees claim to be children of God. But God examines their hearts, and there was no evidence in their lives that they were children of God because their pride and self-righteousness had made them blind to the truth. Now, for my favorite part, Jesus finally answers the questions the Pharisees asked in verse 25. See, towards the end of the chapter, the Pharisees finally think they have Jesus caught in a lie. After all, Abraham died thousands of years ago. So, how can this man know him? Unless he is eternal. Unless he is the true Messiah that God had promised them since the fall of garden. Unless the one standing before them had have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In one of the most powerful moments in all of the Bible, Jesus proclaims in verse 58, Truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus uses the exact warning that God told Moses at the burning bush. He proclaims in the moment to be exactly what the Pharisees feared the living Son of God, part of the Trinity, the Messiah. He is Lord. This is the identity of Christ. This is The one whom we find our identity in, if, only if, we repent from our sin and believe in him. This is the one who loved us more than we could ever fathom to point out suffering and dying on the cross for our sin. This is the one who defeated death so that we may have hope and life. Praise him. And here's an application point. Okay. That was a long paragraph, but you'll be just fine. We learned that Jesus is Lord, so what now? First, reflect on your own life. Have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Do you proclaim him with just your mouth, actions, or heart? Or do you live for him with every aspect of your life? Next, ask God to help you live for him. Our sinful nature will cause us to fail every single time. So pray that he would help you to live for him with full abandon for everything else. Finally, live like Christ has victory over death because he does. He has overcome the world for the Christian knows that this, there is only one thing on their mind. How can I glorify God today? Nothing else matters. So live like Christ is already won. Work hard to live for him and rely on his power to give you endurance.
1: And with that, into the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the What's Your Growth Challenge
0: podcast. Today we'll be looking at John chapter 8. Today I am with Carter Story. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Hey, guys, I'm Carter Story. Um, I am part of the BCM at Western Kentucky University. I'm actually one of the freshman coordinators for the BCM. And so my role is just one of uh, seeking the mentorship and discipleship of the freshmen that are incoming, making sure that they feel welcome and at home within our walls and just striving to see them grow and learn more about God and seeing him as Lord in their lives.
0: That is awesome. And so today again we'll be looking at uh John chapter eight and you said that this chapter really stood out to you today. Um so you were writing your reflection, uh what did
1: God show you? Well Nick, John eight is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. I just I think it holds so much power that we can see in jesus really just displaying who he is because the whole chapter i wrote in my reflection is all about identity and it's about the pharisees identity what they identify in and then them questioning jesus trying to figure out his identity and they claim that he is a demon at certain points but at the end of the story jesus claims that his identity is I am. He claims to be the living God, which is radical, which is absurd. But if you look at his life, you can't help but think this either has to be true or this is a crazy person. And if you look at everything he did, all the miracles he did, all of his teachings, I am left with the impression that Jesus was Lord. And so what this stuck out to me was that Jesus is not afraid of other people claiming him to be something else. Jesus knows exactly who he is, and he is willing to share that with others in the hopes that they would see him for who he truly is as well.
0: And yeah, and just like in the very end of John chapter 8, we see Jesus address himself as the I Am. And yes. the first time we see the title of I Am is actually in Exodus When God appeared to Moses in this burning bush And then Moses asked um, Basically just like Who am I to say Who sent me to go free the people of Israel God replied with I am who I am Yes It's powerful Yes indeed And just like claiming that authority That Jesus is God But yet at the same time Jesus is 100% God And 100% man as well is crazy
1: it is crazy yeah it's impossible for our minds to comprehend and yet we believe it is true
0: yes indeed and so uh, moving on to our next question like is there anything that stood out to you specifically in john chapter 8.
1: well i first off i've been reading through the gospels recently in my own quiet time and uh sadly to say the part that sticks out to me the most is the Pharisees and how similar I feel to how they act, and just how they always try to catch Jesus in a lie. They always, they always are trying to disprove that Jesus truly was God. And I saw that in myself. Honestly, I constantly try to find ways out of serving God and serving uh, and following His will for my life because that's against my nature. That's against my sinful nature to follow Him and to obey His perfect commands. And it's a constant battle to follow Him. But it's sad that these people who claim to be uh, the most religious in their time, the perfect obeyers of the law, that they couldn't handle the fact that there was someone better than them out there, and that there was someone who whose message was love and forgiveness when they had lived so strictly by this law that they upheld in their lives and forced other people to upheld, uphold as well. I've been struggling a lot with forgiveness of not only others, but myself as well, and knowing that Christ has forgiven me So why can't I forgive myself for some of the things that I've done? And while they're trying to point out the identity of Jesus and try to lie about who he is or catch him up in a lie, I saw all the ways that I've been making God smaller than he should be in my life. And just seeing how I've kind of put him in my pocket and brought him out whenever I feel like it, but not put him on the throne of my life. And John 8 is just so convicting in that way of who do I say Jesus is? Who do I say Jesus is? Is he really Lord like he claims to be, the great I am? Or is he something less that I pray to when I feel like, I follow when I feel like, not the Lord of my life? And so that's the thing I specifically looked at was, who do I say Jesus is? In response to him saying, I am Lord.
0: Yes, very good indeed. Something that you said still, really stood out to me about just reminding yourself of identity. I think of uh, just like we treat Jesus as like a genie in a lamp, per se. Or like we just come to him whenever we want something and we use yeah. him as a means to an end. And just in reality, I mean, we should be always constantly clinging to Christ because of how good he is, because he wants the best for us, honestly. And in the same way, the Pharisees who wanted nothing more than to be right were missing the whole point of the gospel. You know, it's like even in like John chapter 8, the first part of it, even whenever the Pharisees bring before Jesus, a woman caught in the act of adultery. Unfortunately, we don't have time to go into scriptural context. But, however, it's just so easy to, to see how the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus always had a way out because he is God. Because he has that identity of wh- who he says he is.
1: That story is pretty amazing because the only people who... The only people in the crowd who were sinners just like the woman wanted to condemn her. But the only one in the crowd who was righteous and was worthy to condemn chose forgiveness. And that's that's a beautiful picture of Jesus' life and just his response to our sin. And I'm so thankful for it.
0: Yeah, and just here, a quick reminder, you know, just like, who is there to judge if, you know, we, because we've all sinned. And then at the same time, you know, just like, who is there no one can condemn another person only Jesus can do that and so is there anything else that stood out to you
1: I think I pretty much covered it I know I said a lot more than specifics but
0: yeah that's that's perfectly fine and so um moving on to like the next (laughs) thing of the chapter you know Jesus claims to be this light of the world and I just want your thoughts on what do you think being the light of the world means
1: Well, I mean, in its simplest term, what does light do? It eliminates the darkness. And God created everything perfectly, but then it got corrupted and perverted by our own sinful nature, by the temptations of Satan, in our attempt to become like God. And this darkness fell. This darkness fell over all of creation, and the separation occurred from God. And so, Jesus being light of the world, he eliminated that darkness. He conquered death through His death and... Re- or defeated death through His death and resurrection. And through that, all the darkness wasn't destroyed immediately. But we can choose light for once now. We can choose to seek the light. And He gave us that opportunity to seek Him. And one day, all the darkness will be destroyed. And I have hope in that, that one day He will come back and truly be the conquering light of this world. And just every either every knee will bow in obedience and all of his beauty and his grace, or every knee will bow in submission. And that's, that's such a scary thing for me, because I know that some of my friends and some of my family, if he came back right now, they wouldn't be bowing in obedience. They'd be bowing because they were forced to at his power and his might and that road leads to hell as scary as it is and that's why it's so important for our job as christians to tell other people about him to tell other people about this light of the world to work for matthew 28 19 through 20. live this life for the light of the world to make him lord like i said earlier and to tell other people about him
0: yeah and just like in a previous episode we were talking about the samaritan woman john chapter 4 of this woman was enlightened more or less and then just like after she was enlightened she wanted to go tell others about this light that she received we are challenged with with sharing this light with others you know there's this one story that i have um that typically churches do it at advent But, you know, it's whenever everybody gets a candle. But your candle is not lit. And so, especially around Christmas, Jesus is called this light light of the world. Usually, in this church gathering on Christmas Eve or whenever people uh, celebrate Advent, is that you you all have these candles, and it starts with one candle. And this fire... um, from one candle passes to and then this keeps on going until everybody with a candle has their candle lit. In the same way, it reminds me of this nursery rhyme of like this, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little line, I'm gonna let it shine. And in the same way, are we letting our light shine in the darkness or are we continuing to live in
1: the darkness? My church does that too, so that's pretty cool. It's one of my favorite things we do at Christmas. And I was reading Luke this morning, and uh just like you said, Jesus healed a blind person. Or uh, well, first the blind person was shouting at him, King of Son of David, son of David, heal me, heal me, please. And uh everybody told him, Shut up, dude, come on. But he was not quiet. He continued and he persisted. He said, son of David, heal me. And Jesus came up to him and said, what do you want? And he said, I want to see, Lord. And Jesus said, your faith has saved you. And immediately he could see. And you know what he did after that? He followed God. He just, he left everything behind. And because of God's power to heal him, he realized What else do I really need if I have the Messiah right in front of me? And so he followed, And that's what I want to do more of in my life. I struggle with it a lot. But, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we just left everything and said, what more do I need than Jesus Christ? And then we just follow him. Yes.
0: Yes, indeed. And, you know, in verse 31, let me read verse 31, chapter 8 says jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and so abide in this context can be trans also translated in translated by saying continue in so what happens when we abide in god's word
1: nick before this year this calendar year Um, I struggled so much with finding the Bible boring, not wanting to spend time in it, not wanting to abide in it as it commands us. Honestly, just bored by it. And uh, at the very beginning of the year, JP's dad, David Prince of Ashland Avenue, he came to the BCM and he talked about how, if we haven't read the Bible in its entirety, and we need to stop what we're doing and read the Bible in its entirety. And I realized I've never done that, and I really want to do that. And so what I did is I prayed a lot that God would give me the strength and desire to be in his word every single day and to just read the Bible in its entirety. Here we go. And over that process, God has taught me so much more than I ever thought I would learn about him. And prayer is powerful because he gave me a desire to read the Bible when I did not have a desire to read anything, not even a menu at a steakhouse, which doesn't make sense to me beyond it it being God's power. And so abiding in his word, what it does is it reveals his beauty to you. It reveals his power, his characteristics, his amazing love that he has for us. And in response to that, it makes you want to know him more. You get a taste of his power and his love. And you're like, that's good. I really want to know more about this. What can I do to learn more about this? And that's the beautiful system that God has set up That we come to him and we say, God, I need you right now. And then we realize he's amazing. He's beautiful. He's everything. He is God. And we can't stop relying on him because of his goodness and because of our brokenness. And so abiding in the word just means to give it to God. Say, God, I need you. I need your help in this. Please help me to just live with you and abide in your word and read. And then he will answer your prayer and you will abide in him like you've never done so before. And you'll go from thinking the Bible is boring and not having a desire to read it to that's all you want to do. And I'm not saying that's all I want to do all the time. I still have days where I struggle to read the word of God, but he has allowed it to where it's not even an option anymore. I'm going to read the Bible because that's where I draw life from that's where i draw energy from that's where i draw excitement and joy and love for others from because it is life it is the living word of god so i think that's what it means to abide in the word of god
0: yeah and just man that's so encouraging our natural tendency is not to desire god to pray for the spirit to one convict us and then to pray that the spirit would give us this desire to read his word more and to love it more and just it's so eye-opening you know just like i think it's in john chapter six um we, we see that everybody's calling jesus uh different names like are you elijah are you a prophet or like and then people start to leave him whenever Jesus does not fulfill this quota. But in reality, you know, you see that Jesus turn, then turns to the 12 and says, like, who are you? Like, are you all going to leave me as well? I think Peter says it best. Uh, basically said, where else can we go, Lord? For you have the words of eternal life. It's a beautiful passage. Yeah. And just just a reminder, you know, like we'll get into this episode uh, with um, John chapter 15, you know, John chapter 15 is the by chapter, but we'll cover yeah. that later. What is the message that you would like others to know about this chapter in particular?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Man, the message I would tell the people about this chapter, Jesus is Lord. I think that's the most important thing that comes out of this Jesus is God and he is Lord. He is the great I am. And um, C.S. Lewis describes it as, for those of you listening to this podcast who may are skeptical, um, the popular belief among non-Christians is that Jesus was a good teacher. And C.S. Lewis throws that out completely because a good teacher would not claim to be, to have the power to forgive sins. That is completely out of the question. He would either be a lunatic who believes he has the power to forgive sins, and that would make him not a good teacher, or he has the power to forgive sins, and he is a Lord. Now, based on all of the evidence of scripture and all of the evidence of history, I do not believe that Jesus Christ was a lunatic. I believe that he is Lord, and that is what he claims to be in this passage. He did not leave us the option to say, I am a great teacher, saying that of Jesus, of course. And so, when you realize this, this is for non-believers and believers alike, you have to make a change. You can't say, okay, this man died on a cross for my sins and defeated death three days later. And continue going about your business. There has to be a change. And it's a hard one. Because Jesus Christ calls us to give up everything. But if you think. This person is Lord. He is God. And if I follow him. I will be with him. In eternal joy. And love and peace. In heaven. For eternity. But if I don't then I suffer for eternity apart from him, then this life we have becomes minuscule. This life we have becomes one of two things, either a waste of time, or it becomes the greatest important mission field we have. And so if Jesus is Lord, which I implore you to believe, if you don't believe it, do more research. If Jesus is Lord, we need to start acting and living like Jesus is Lord. And that there are people who don't believe that Jesus is Lord. We have to start telling people about Christ. We have to start living like Jesus is Lord.
0: Yeah, and something that stood out to me in that is that there's this quote that I recall. I forget who says it. Uh, Forgive me, listeners. But it says, For the unbeliever, this is the closest to heaven you will ever get. For the believer, this is the closest to hell we will ever get. And just, yeah. it's a deep quote if you think about it because for the unbeliever, you know, this is the best it's got to get. This is the b- closest to heaven, the closest to perfection you will ever get. But for the believer, this is the closest to hell you will ever get because we have this eternal weight of glory that is waiting for us and inheritance in heaven, eternal life and just promises galore that the bible just reminds us over and over and over again that we are a child of god and not only that we are also heirs but not only that we are also justified and not only that you know it goes on and on and on we have to find our identity in christ otherwise we cannot live for Christ if we do not found our identity in Christ. Live like Christ has victory over death because he does. He has overcome the world. For the Christian that knows this, there is only one thing on their mind. How can I glorify God today? Nothing else matters. So live like Christ has already won and so often we can live as if we are dead we, we can live in our shame and guilt of whatever baggage we we've come with in life But I love what you said here in your reflection you said work hard Work hard to live for him and rely on his power to give you endurance So before we wrap up is there
1: anything else you would like to add? Uh, earlier you mentioned something about a prayer for conviction uh, And oh, boy, that's a tough prayer to pray. I will not sugarcoat it because I've been in that spot. And uh, both a prayer to be convicted of sin that you are unaware of and a prayer for repentance is difficult. But for the listener, they're essential. They are so important. So if you've been thinking, if you've been questioning during this podcast, have I made Jesus Lord on the throne of my life? Or have I kept him as a genie in this bottle that I pull out from time to time? If you've been asking yourself that question, pray. Pray right now. As soon as you're done listening, just pray. Say, God, reveal to me the sin in my life and then repent from it. It's tough. Take it seriously because it will be difficult, but it's essential. If you're serious about following Jesus as Lord, those things need to happen. So I'll be praying for whoever listens to this. And I'm excited to see how God can use it, not for my glory, but for his.
0: Thank you again for joining me on today's podcast, Carter. I appreciate your company. Enjoy talking to you,
1: as always. Great times.
0: Great times, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. If you enjoyed, please leave us a rating. If you are interested in podcasting yourself, then I would encourage you to look into Anchor the podcast software where you can upload, edit, and record your podcast. Another special thanks to the WKUBCM for making this Winter Growth Challenge possible, along with its full-time staff members, Tommy Johnson, the Campus Minister, Jeannie Atwood, the Administrative Assistant, Colin and Sarah Wood, International Student Ministers, Brad and Kate Clarity, Campus Minister, Associate and Intern, Maya DeHaye, campus minister associate, along with other interns, Carly Nunn, Noah Pike, Jake Fisher, Aaron Fisher, Parvish Raman Alive. and very special thanks to Carter Story for joining me today on the podcast. Audio and sound engineer, Gideon Martin, graphic design art, Nick Anderson, and once again, thank you again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have a great day.